Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delves into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. With a clear twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Wattenbuehler. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining in once again this evening. We are certainly pleased that you have decided to join us again this month for the Amethyst Oracle. And just to remind you, you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. We welcome you to like the page if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or additional input to anything that we happen to talk about here on the show, uh, or cards that we might pull or something like that. Certainly feel free to uh, comment uh, there on the Facebook page at any time. Uh, And also, of course, as we do every month, we offer you the chance to call or Skype in for your on-air reading with Charlie and myself. I'm high C. And that is easily done from the show page. You can just click the Skype button from there, or you can call 646-716-5510. And either of those will get you into the queue in order to receive a reading a bit later in the show. So, Without further ado, I shall, of course, bring in my esteemed co-host, Charlie Harrington. Hello, Charlie Harrington. Come I in, think we Charlie Harrington. Used, we could have probably used one more ado. Do you, you know, think? everyone says that without further ado, and I think they're jumping the gun. <laughs> uh, without further ado, ado. Ado. <laughs> and how do you do, I see? <laughs> I am doing very well. And you, are you... Enjoying, of course, here in California, we have now entered into our peak summer season. Yeah, uh, it's the heat wave. <laughs> it is. Um, not unusual for us with September, October being our warmest months, but still mm-hmm. a bit of a shock to the system as hot as it got all of a sudden and has remained so for the past few days. Uh, so I hope you're surviving. It's roasty toasty, but that, that that's wonderful, you know. So uh, it, um, it's a good time to, to get away to, to what I refer to as the Valley of the Queens, which is the Russian River. It's where gay people go to die. And um, well, so I got to spend I. some time there. And that's where, you know, it's sort of, we, you know, we go off into the West to to, uh, <laughs> to, to be no more. So I, I, I like to go there during this time of the year. Uh, <laughs> I think it was featured on uh, Looking last season. And I thought, okay. So I've, I've spent um, the last week in out in the forest. I did, did a lot of readings. Um with some different oracles, and uh, it was delightful. 
uh, as we kind of come in for landing with the summer. Yeah. So. Well, and it was on looking, and I must I must say it didn't exactly look like you know some place where you go to die. There was this you know, secret party out in the woods. Uh, there were people worth glancing at along the banks That's of the river. That's the other there. world. That's every description of the other world. You know, you, <laughs> the veil becomes thin, and you sort of traipse off into sweet everythingness uh, with the divine. I see. So, yes. <laughs> It is a a strange and mad. So you know, it is like okay. Look, if, if the Celtic people have the other world, and you know, like everyone's got their their afterlife. I think queer people can have Guerneville, you know, <laughs> their their liminal space. Uh, not, you know, I'm not sure they. Uh, I'm not sure they got the best end of that deal, but all right. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, um, since our last time here, of course, we have. Attended BATS, the Bay Area Tarot Symposium. Mm, yes. How was how was that experience for you? It was fantastic. Um, I've been privately critical of previous BATS, <laughs> and uh, this was a really good one. Like, um, I mean, the social part is always great, but the content was lovely this year. Um, uh, what did you learn at this year's BATS? He said, buying time. <laughs> well, I would say that my favorite presentation was by someone who is uh, currently scheduled to be our guest in October, uh, and that was by Carrie Paris. That was good. And she has a new deck call- coming out uh, called The Relative, is it The Relative Lenormand? Relative well, Tarot. Tarot. Oh, it's a tarot deck. Wow. Um, and she, the presentation and, and a lot of what's going into this deck it was all about mediumship and connecting with people that have crossed over. And it was a very interesting process to use pictures of people that were dead to kind of read those pictures the way that you might with uh, tarot deck or oracle cards or something like that um, but mm. using that to connect with those people connect with their stories and, and get a sense and certainly it was very interesting because people were just given random pictures and separated into small groups and one group had a picture and they talked about this person uh, and they had very specific details about this person's life and that kind of thing and then Carrie said well it just so happens the picture was of a relative of hers, and much of what that group had come up with were very, very, very similar, if not exactly, the same details as to what had happened in that person's life. So it's mm. exciting to to think about that deck and what it's going to be like to use that deck, perhaps in a slightly different way than is often thought of for using cards or the tarot or that kind of thing as more of a tool for mediumship. Uh, than anything else. So people can look forward to perhaps hearing more about that from her when she joins us in October. Yeah, what I loved about it, and we'll, I won't you know, we'll leave some of it for that conversation, is that, but well, with bats, the whole thing, um, you, if I go to a, a tarot conference, I want to try experimental shit. You know, I want to try and do some sort of weird, um, weird stuff with the cards, but I also want to have um, the, the, the there to be a place for the criticism or the word no, and um, so in that one, 
uh, that kind of came up. You know, there was a person there who had the answers to the question. It wasn't. I mean, the, the Carrie knew most of the dead people in these pictures, so she was able to, you know, confirm. So if that group had, you know, come up with their answers, you know, um, without her there, I might have thought, I don't know if any of that's true. I mean, that's like a nice story, but like, are people making that up? But like, she was there; they were correct. Whereas, um, and uh, in one of my favorite classes, Rana George did a, a Lenormand competition, which was fantastic. And um, she divided the room into two teams. And uh, she, you, uh, the team would send up two people from their team, and they would look at oversized Lenormand cards, and they would present them. And then she would give a prompt, and the prompt might was like a half a sentence. And it would say, uh, he began to realize that, or uh, something like, what she would prefer is, and then you would finish the sentence using Lenormand, and she would challenge you if you got two out there. And I thought that was brilliant because, one, there's a competition uh, vibe happening, which is, like, unheard of in spiritual circles, right? We don't compete. Everything's right. Everything's true. And uh, people would come up with, like, a grand statement, you know, uh, for the cards they pulled and kind of trying to impress the room. And then she'd be like, no. Where do you see that in the card? That is not, that is not, where do you see challenge? I don't see that. And that's not a good version of her accent. But uh, <laughs> and she would, but it was good. And then the person would like, people's posture would change. They'd become more earthy and they would um, give a more basic reading. And it was more useful than the grand, impressive, clever thing. And so it was great. And like the room got into like, jeering the other side and by that I mean Carrie Paris and I were sitting next to each other got into jeering the other side I don't necessarily know that everyone else was making fun of the other team but we were so <laughs> well and I think and, and doing that with Lenormand which has kind of more set meanings for the cards as well is something that that certainly um, serves that kind of a, a format better mm-hmm it was her two things that taught. I think you could do this a bit with tarot if you practice with some friends. Um, but the, uh, making sure that the the statement answered the question was her like the main point of the thing. So if the if the prompt is um, what he should do instead, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a better one. Uh, uh, um, next week he should. And then the person gives up the answer that that karma is following him and he's coming into a under, new understanding. Like that doesn't like that doesn't answer the question. You know what I mean? So you have to right. re- you might have the information, but you have to reword it in a useful way. So that was great. And also, where is that in the cards? Asking that question, you know, like I think you could do this a bit with tarot, not as much as with, with Lenormand, but um, where is your answer coming from the cards? in front of you or where is it coming from you know so something to think about Uh, and a nice exercise for people to try for themselves to just make a statement and use a very practical real world interpretation from the card that comes up rather than worrying about some elaborate interpretation around that card Mm -hmm. absolutely Uh, yeah we can sometimes uh I can get a bit carried away <laughs> with my interpretation, <laughs> and I go down the sundry path, and you know the reality was maybe the first three things I said and not the last twenty four so 
Um, and, I, I, well, I can't believe that you get carried away. You <laughs> ventured off into the gay other world of no, Burnville. Well, yes. <laughs> Reveal the mysteries behind the veil. There, there are no right answers there. But um, So whereas you and I are not Lenormand experts, he said, trying to construct a segue, uh, our guest tonight is a definitely uh, quite devoted to that system and some other vintage systems. I'm very excited about this. Well, and I think it speaks to what you were saying about bats as well, which is he is taking some of these old systems but moving them into the future by finding perhaps a new way to look at them, a new way to use them, um, you know, so allowing for their continual evolution and experimentation rather than letting them get old and dusty in the mm-hmm. in the annals of <laughs> the ancient ways that's so, you know if you don't if you <laughs> if you don't use it you lose it right it's true so of course we are speaking of our guest this evening Ryan Edward yes we should get around to talking about him instead of ourselves that's right maybe he's um, going to no, no. But, okay. uh, but I think that you know, I think that this is a, a perfect opportunity for us to now go ahead and move towards our conversation with him. Uh, and I think to do so, we will kick off as we always do with our ever so elaborately produced introduction for our guests. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel, breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel, it's a new day, and I'm feeling Amethyst Oracle is excited to welcome this month's special guest, Ryan Edwards. Ryan is an art director and designer living in St. Louis, Missouri. Proudly labeled a student, he began studying cards just shy of four years ago under the guise of an art project. These past two years, he has studied under Camellia Elias from Denmark, practicing Lenormand, playing cards, Marseille, and the occasional folk magic. His first deck, called The Maybe Lenormand, is set to be published by U.S. Games. With a few other projects underway, he is enjoying finding inspiration in older folk traditions of cardamancy, playing around with the Tarot de Marseille, among others. For now, you can find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ryan of Cups until his site is live in October for an exciting Kickstarter campaign. So please join Charlie and Heisey in welcoming to the Amethyst Oracle, Ryan Edwards. (laughs) 
And welcome to the show to the Amethyst Oracle, Ryan Edward. Hello, thanks for having me. So great to, so unbelievable actually to be uh, followed up with an introduction talking about Carrie Paris and Rena George. So, oh, believe it, uh, believe it, believe it, Mister, can, believe uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, keep you the conversation team. going in an interesting way. You're 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 getting mentioned in the same sort of pantheon. So uh, you, oh, your star is rising. There we are. <laughs> uh, um, thank you. Yeah, once again for for being on the show. Um, Absolutely. But since so there was a time in the past when you were not involved in tarot and cartomancy, and then at some point you were. Can you talk to us about that transition? How did you get involved with all of this uh, all of this business? Um. Sure, sure. Um, it was, long story short, a Saturn return, um, if that helps illustrate it for anybody. Um, growing up, I always had my tarot had come in and out of my life. As a kid in the 90s, I always saw Miss Cleo, and then certain people at college had decks and got readings. But um, it wasn't until probably when I was, like, really turned on, Um about shy of 10 years ago, about 2007, I had met a gentleman and was like that it. person that didn't know where things were going. There were some complications um, due, some, due, due to some X factors, if you will. And um, long story short, had some reading and found um, a couple of tarot readers that were very spot on and through reading, they called out some intuition myself and suggested I picked up some cards, but I never did. Um, mm. Long story, taking that story forward, um, that person is now my partner for the past, um, going on nine years. Wow, um, so now the fortune teller story began with a tall, dark stranger. He's a tall, dark stranger, um, right? Yeah, for the purposes I, of this intro, okay. American, so yeah. There you go. She <laughs> is tall and dark. It's a very traditional. Um, uh, I'm sorry, as you were. No, absolutely, and so, um, but there was some very uncanny, specific um, things she was calling out. So anyway, it, um, I'm probably really undercutting it by um, kind of explaining it in that regard, but yeah, it really turned me on and had. Still never picked up a deck because, you know, you're always taught you can't pick up a deck for yourself. You always have to be gifted it. So um hadn't for a while until I was working through um, my design career and trying to come up with a new project, something that was different than anything else I had been doing. And really out of the blue one day, um, tarot kind of popped up. And it was a suggestion really just out of nowhere. So I, the next day, went and picked up a Rider Waite, thought, you know, it might be fun to try my hand at making a deck. And I did so miserably. I um, found out how complicated it was, all the nuance that went into it. I was like, no, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do it right. So I really started with the Rider Waite, just really started studying it, starting um, the, the Golden Dawn and the means behind the cards and all that. And it just took me deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And that became my passion. That became the project then at that point. And um, the art was secondary, but because of that, I finally feel like I'm getting somewhere to where 
the art has a message unto the tradition itself. Um, and that's essentially where I'm at right now. So I, I know for a lot of designers, I know, I've, I've just seen you know, on the internet, a lot of different artists and designers come with, who have no interest in ever like doing readings or divination love working like with tarot and other card systems be, um, because there's a, like a specific framework that exists, but the whole point is that everyone's supposed to put their spin on it. Exactly. Very, can you talk a little bit about the, that attraction there and like what, what in the mind of a designer you're, you're hoping to be able to, to do when you meet something kind of mysterious like the tarot? Or? Sure. I mean, there's always any, I think, like you said, with anybody, you're, you're trying to put your fingerprint on something. Um, however, I think the more you learned about the tradition and the elegance of it and the, the rooted history of it, that you learn what you can and cannot touch. Mm. Um, so it becomes a matter of how, how can you work those details that do allow you a little play without ruining the foundation? Um, I mean, that's at least how I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, I think a, a lot of people right. come in and do the art and they find out what is sacred <laughs> to an angry right. tarot reading populace. Yeah, <laughs> the hard way. Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. And so you master the tarot. Um, oh, and you also way. moved, well, no, for the purposes of this conversation, you master, <laughs> you master the tarot, but <laughs> you've also been attracted to other uh, older, well, no, excuse me, uh, old, be, uh, okay, other systems that haven't, been in the limelight recently, but that are that are until recently, I guess they've been getting a they're having a, rena- a renaissance, a renaissance like Lenormand and uh, Gypsy Witch fortune telling cards. Um, and also, I know you work with the Marseille Tarot. Uh, so, I think a lot of people, well, like with the Marseille, for example, I've heard people say, "Well, but there's no pictures on the cards," as if they're like you know seventy eight blank cards, but um. I think a lot of people discount some of the older systems because they can seem a bit foreign. They can seem sort of a bit out of what we're used to. Um, what are people missing out on with the, the more vintage, the more uh, antique types of decks? If I were to put it in one word, I'd say elegance. Ooh. I think that um, there's a simplicity in these older, um, and again, like, it's hard to say older. I think when we're saying older than zero, we're saying older than the writer Wade Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. It, as far as traditions go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we talk free wider weight and post writer weight um, in these regards, but um, there's definitely simplicity there. There's um, an honesty and authenticity that, um, you know, as many other people have spoken about, you know, it's not jam packed with all this esoterica mm-hmm. and, um, occultism and symbolism it, it, it's very light and free and I think as far as why it's having a bit of a renaissance is it kind of speaks and maybe this is me reading too deep into it but here we are it, it speaks a lot to the culture that we're in right now um, everything that we want is bite free and accessible we don't like things to be complicated we, we don't like a lot of baggage um, we like to be very straightforward in our messages. Mm-hmm. We have gone through very 
complicated forms of messaging and even if you even if you look at the internet we've mm-hmm. gone from very boisterous web pages to very sleek clean flat minimal web pages um this i blame twitter designer right, it, exactly um and i like to say that you know when you're reading tarot you're kind of looking at panels on a comic book but when you're reading like a string of a uh, lenormand it's kind of like you're reading uh, an emoji text message that's very mm-hmm. short, direct, and to the point. And I think it's that simplicity and elegance that sometimes can get looked at as void or um, just boring. Mm-hmm. But it, you, you use the nuance of that to get something that's very specific, but yet is very free and abstract to where you can get it to um, give you the message that you need in that context, if that helps explain it, from my point of view, at least. No, I think that's I think that's a fabulous answer, and it's interesting that you uh, that you're kind of connecting the idea of um, the more vintage system, or sorry, uh, the, uh, a less uh, not elaborate but maybe a less convoluted system is much more modern. I, I, I like that you connected to like a modern sensibility. So, uh, for, so when you're designing. Uh, the Linamon Fox, for example, like uh, mm-hmm. I know that so you don't so you don't have the, the the pressure of a tarot card of having to convey, you know. Oh, here's my question, I guess. So one of the big things with like the Linamon people say is that you know like the fox picture should just be a fox, and you're not trying to convey like eight different layers of subtle meaning or anything astrological or anything like that. With the big, it's just a fox, and the reader is going to know how to read that. But um, so how What's the challenge for you, the designer, to create an image that someone's going to work with, like at, that uh, is imparting information, but also not overdoing it? Where does uh, is that where like the yeah? Uh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely a delicate balance there, and I think that so with the Norman specifically, a lot of people will like to say that you could have any image of a fox on there and it'll work just the same. Um, yes and no. I think mm-hmm. that there are an inherent meaning to the fox card, if we're using that as an example. Mm-hmm. But there, I use imagery in the Normand as far as direction, as far as tonality is concerned in a string. Um, so for me, the fox, even though it's a very focused meaning, is still trying to elicit something through its image. So with all the Lenormand cards, um, and I'm not the only one to do this. Um, I know um, others, Andy, um, B, for an example, calls them the essence. I just call them the title. And it, it's like one core meaning that that card is all of its meanings, all of its descriptions, all of its keywords are really anchored to that one core meaning title, whatever. So um, for me, it's really just trying to elicit that one word through the image. Um, since I've kind of taken a very traditionalist approach in my mm-hmm. illustration, the, the um, excuse me, uh, I have looked at the other older decks, the 19th century decks, um, and I literally laid them all out noted the characteristics, trying to see what they were trying to achieve with their illustrations and trying to bring that into my own. Um, so the, for the fox, he's flying, sneaky, and all those things. So um, he's stalking a fox, which is the very first image in the game of hope. 
the fox is stalking uh, a chicken, excuse me, not a fox. He is stalking a chicken. So um, it was a matter of just taking that and just adding a little bit of drama to it. Um, so it's still a fox and a chicken. There's a tree in the background. <laughs> but hopefully through line and through position that you get that he's a little bit more sneakier, a little bit more stealthier, um, and what have you. Excellent, excellent. And so now you've been working on your, your own special deck that has a bright future for it, um, that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but what what did you set with the with the maybe Lenomond? What did what did you set out to do? Okay, yeah. Um the the maybe was I I love Lenormand. I when I was learning began to learn tarot and fertility and all these things, I was learning about four years ago when this Lenormand Renaissance was happening. So it was very much in front of me. I um so I gravitated grew towards it. Um, but then there were also these little offshoot decks. There's the Gypsy Witch, there's the Old Whitman Gypsy fortune-telling cards. They all have Gypsy in the name. Um, they're, none of them are identical to each other, but they're, they're very... You can tell that they're a lineage. You can tell which deck is mm. strong from which, because they all have very specific alternate cards. Mm. Um, and they all... Like, the last last card is always the safe. Um, there's, there's a set pattern to them. Um, and I there was something very charming and very um, Ameri- American about it, Americana mm-hmm. essence to the, um, from coming from the 30s and 40s, um, and even before that. So um, I liked those decks a lot. I think there was a lot of charm to them, but at the same time, I wanted my traditional Lenormand cards. I wanted my book. I wanted my book to be number, you know, 26. I wanted it to be the Ten of Diamonds. And... So it was a matter of taking a traditional Lorman, presenting it in a traditional Lenormand way. I, um, many people were like, were making their own decks and putting very big spins on it. Mm-hmm. When I felt like you can take a Lenormand, be very true to it, and just twist it enough to make it something fresh. And so keeping cards 1 through 36 the exact same, I added 16 more cards, which created a total of 52, our standard playing card deck, mm-hmm. and just kind of grafted on those additional cards to the end where they didn't disrupt the natural order, the tradition of the 36, but gave you the option to use them or not. So you can use them. It may be a Lenormand. It may not be a Lenormand. It's the name. I love that. Oh, no, yeah. I get it. I love that. <laughs> I remember yeah. picking up the Gypsy Witch, I don't know, when I was a young off <laughs> and using it and then like I guess hearing from people oh it's not a very good deck oh it's too doom and gloom it's it's a bad deck the art is bad blah 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 and I, I remember putting it the away I was, I was it's uh it, I was impressionable and uh why does the gypsy witch have a bad rap I love the back I I you know the back's cool um I think most people will say the art is pretty bad there are the couple people that do recognize the charm of it and in some levels, I can see that and appreciate that. Um, I, I just think it's clunky. I think it. I think it was. And I don't know the ins and outs of its history. I do, from what I understand, it's coming from one specific pack in Germany that mm. then became an offshoot. Um, but I, I, yeah, 
perspectives, maybe put together a little haphazard. I don't understand some of the connections between the playing card insets in the pictures. Um, I don't have some examples in front of me. That's all. But it's, um, yeah, the the art's not great. It's really (laughs) not. So, um, and it's not, it's composition, it's layout, it's all those things. So, yeah, it, it just didn't pick up in the right ways, I guess. Uh, well, now it's having another chance with you. But earlier you <laughs> mentioned um, that you mentioned you know people are making kind of like crazy themed decks, and I like the way you're, you're phrasing. You said that you can just take the traditional Lomond and sort of twist it, give it a twist a little bit. And mm-hmm. I like I like this sort of kind of stylized is like the right word, but like that your your style of artwork that you have on these cards and can you talk a little about about what your particular spin twist is on it i remember like i felt when you, you posted first time i thought you posted i think it was the mountain card and i thought oh that's kind of like dr seuss a little bit i love it it is <laughs> it is that was that, that totally was, was the trumpet. trumpet okay right on yeah but what was your what's your where do you want to take the linoman with your deck sure um, i mean purely aesthetic um I knew from the from the get go I wanted it to feel like an old Lenorma deck. I have um, one that's a dear treasured favorite. It's a hand painted one that's 30 years old, but it's a facsimile of one from 1850, mm-hmm. um, given to my teacher Camellia. And I, it doesn't have a simplistic name. It has a very long German name, which essentially means the fortune telling cards of <laughs> like Lenorma um, in German, but. Um, there are simple etched illustrations on a white background. And um, with the Lenormand cards, there's, there's pretty much two styles. There's the simple white etched on a white background, or then there's the more scenic ones like the Gondorf and the Blue, um, Blue Owl, where they, they have skies and foregrounds and backgrounds and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew I wanted to just take that simple etched illustration and then just put it into my line style. And that's, just kind of one that's quirky and angular and it's a little Dr. Seuss-ish. It's a little uh, old mid-century futurist. Um, but just kind of taking that form line style, which in itself is a little twisty, <laughs> um, coming from a form factor and just treating it with a lined etch style. They're hand-painted, watercolor paper. Um, yeah, so that in itself was enough twist for me. Love it. And um, for someone who's listening, who's thinking about creating a deck, I noticed that you see there's a lot of decisions one has to make. And I know you've sort of so many agonized about the color or, and the cardstock. And uh, oh, so much. What, what were some of the, okay, like, like you mentioned, it's very simple. I mean, it, okay, it can seem like a very simple deck, but maybe, you know, you know like, like you've got these like very clean, you know, illustrative sort of style and the white background. Mm-hmm. But so I've been, I don't know, I've been enjoying, like, I think, you know, watching anything be created. It's been like the, the agony. Of yeah. The Can you talk a little bit about well, what you, what some of your decisions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when you do something simple, the, the devil is really in the details more so than ever. So um, there, there's less to compete with. So you notice things more. Um, so yeah, when I was drawing it, I, I, even though the cards are small, the, the line work I did was, you know, on a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Um, so when I first do those, I 
drew the writer about 10 different times on different, with different pens just to see how, when they, when it was scanned in and put into the computer and printed out small on the card size, you know, how did that line weight work? Um, colors. Um, in the computer, it's easy to auto adjust. And for the maybe Linoleum for US games that I'm submitting that final line art, um, I did totally throw those guys through a filter so they look beautiful and Instagram vintage um, in all their beauty. But the ones that I'm doing hand painted on a limited edition basis, um, you don't have the option of a filter. So you just have to make sure that those colors are, you know, very specific and very on point because. There's a subtle difference in green can change something from a nice vintage sage to neon lime very quickly, and that really changes the tone. So, um, and then yeah, just as far as shuffling, um, again, that's for the limited edition. I'm having those printed um, by hand, and um, for the Kickstarter, in a, a different approach. Um, and there's not a lot of um, common stock. For playing cards that are known you know i think when you have something mass produced you know there's these are the cards that you use these are the options there's a lot of knowledge there um but when i'm talking to some people that are hand making hand making them and hand printing them on 19th century presses um oh, wow. there's not uh yeah you just have to buy the paper and have the sample decks cut and just shuffle them for yourself to see because these people don't do that on the day today. You know, it, it's not done on the day today. So the yeah. cardstock has been sort of like the main sort of sticking point <laughs> for the, uh, the tarot reading internet population for a few years. It seems like everyone, what everyone thinks they want are basically wooden tablets uh, with the cards printed <laughs> on them. There's like no cardstock thick enough. Um, if it's, it, unless it has like splinters floating in it, uh, what, are people crazy? That's funny. Cause I, I got the, I got a different reaction. Um, oh. yeah. So I, I actually was for the Navy was handed a stock that was pretty thick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually two ply. Um, and it, to me, it was too thick, and some people were like, oh, yeah, if it, you know, if you're hand-painting these, I want these to be, you know, treasured pieces of art and all that. But at the same time, there are those that were like, if it doesn't, sh- if I can't rifle shuffle it or riffle shuffle it, you know, yeah. the deck doesn't work for me. And I'm kind of the same way. Um, my little prototype, maybe, right now, I can't riffle it, and that's my one stick about it. Um, mm. But I have all these other decks um, that I can shuffle and bend and flex to my hand and I I have a lot of Pisces in my chart and I heard that that's, I don't know a lot about astrology to be honest, but I understand that that's the physical tactileness of something is big for me. Mm. So, um, yeah, I totally know when to stop shuffling based on how I feel. And I think that Linamon people are more willing to riffle <laughs> than tarotists. Yeah. The cards maybe, are a bit smaller. Yeah. It's a bit easier actually. So, so, though I would like to share with you that when I was in Venice, Italy, <clears throat> I came upon a shop, and when I opened the drawer, it was a woodmaker's shop, when I opened the drawer of a cabinet or a table that he had made, um, there was something in there tied in a ribbon, and when I took it out, it was actually 
the major arcana of the tarot that was hand painted on wood, these like long yep. pieces of wood. Um, so it's not necessarily impossible that one might find it that way. I, I don't know how practical it would be for the day-to-day use, but it certainly is there. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I'm curious, if you were advising or, or teaching someone uh, in design who wanted to create a deck, how would you suggest they go through a process of maintaining a respect and and that elegance that you feel you find in the older decks while still creating something that is forward-looking and is uh, going to resonate or connect with people now and in the future rather than simply feeling like a reproduction of something from the past? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um and I think I could. I only did it by doing it over and over and over again. Um, and I mean, I I really I sat there with the cards I was respecting and emulating in some regard. Um, I mean, and I'm speaking from the terms of Silver Norman, but say and. The tarot I'm working on to Marseille, so that's maybe not a good example because a lot of Marseilles fit a very specific pattern. But say I'm doing a Rider Waite, um, which was actually the first deck I started, and I, I shelved it just because there was a lot for me to know um, in dealing with something like that. But the only thing I could say is really take and have those cards really in front of you. And when you're working, and hopefully you have fine style at this point for yourself. Um, take those cards and, you know, draw them for what they are um, and then slowly draw them again and again and again until it's morphing into something that feels feels like your own. And, and that's just speaking to me based on my process and how I approach things. Um, but it's really starting very true and then morphing it enough to see how far you can take it before you've taken it too far. If that helps explain. Um, I work with a lot of sketches and sketches on top of sketches on top of sketches before I sat down to the card, um, if you will. And and you were reading and working with the cards before you decided to start designing a deck, is that correct? Yeah, um, with, when I first picked up the Rider Waite in that, you know, classic yellow box, I, you know, that was my goal, and I did it too far. I um, just knew I learned needed to study. So I started the Rider Waite, and ironically, going through the Rider Waite took me through the old 19th century tradition when you kind of study the... Um, the Golden Dawn and where they're picking up things, you realize how much they borrowed from Atea. And when you study Atea, then you're studying old 19th century French, you know, playing cards. And then you're seeing where that translated into the Lenormand and all those things. Um, I, I may be getting off a little track there. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, well, I, I was I was curious if you feel that having 
studied and been reading with the cards how that influenced the design process and if designing a deck has then influenced and changed your reading process. Yes, it it worked both ways. Thank you. Um, I I think you need to inherently know something before you design it because if if you don't, you're just decorating it at that point. Um, when you're designing something, you're you're working on how something functions, and to know how something functions, you have to work with it. So yeah, I when I was learning with Norman, I was spoofed up during the craze, and I, I had a, a fundamental and aspect of it, but I started studying under Camille Elias, um, a great reader and teacher over in Denmark who has a um, fantastic blog and she's written a Marte book and all these things and she has you know, essentially become my mentor and through reading with her studying under her for the past couple of years um, it's really A. shaped how I read and how I approach things from a very logical standpoint but then I'm able to take that and turn it into a tool that can help me do those things better, if you will. So I feel like I'm still kind of skirting the answer a little bit. But, That's okay. Um, yeah, they, like they, they go hand in hand. You you learn from what you draw and you draw from what you learn. So. I was interested in, um, you, you were taking up like like a class or you were learning more about Atela or Atea. Um, mm-hmm. I never know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, but, and yeah, I think, okay, perfect. Okay, good. Um, and so it's funny, you know, people have read Arthur Wade, people have read Aleister Crowley, but Taylor is sort of like really in the misty distant past, you know, being a contemporary with Marie Lenormand. Uh What what would you say, it's kind of weird, I don't know how I'm worried, like what, what did you get out of learning more about his system of reading? Because I, I find it very, very interesting, but I'm, I haven't taken the plunge yet. Really, you learn where this all, if there was like one if there was a point zero where mm-hmm. I think a lot of this sprung from, it, it, it starts there. Um, he doesn't get a lot of credit because he always had his very opinionated views and his own claims mm-hmm. that kind of discredited him. But a lot I of can it, relate so to much that. of it came from there. And I mean, in what he, a lot of his traditions, from what I understand, are very rooted in the folk traditions of that time. But, like, for me, how I got to that point, I was reading Rugged Weight, um, understanding where the Golden Dawns got their meaning, but then finding those same meanings in the pictorial key from Weight in the Petita Tea, the little 32 card playing card deck that he created. Um, you look in Jack of Spades or, you know, Page of Swords reversed as a spy. You, you see that tip for tat in both in both meanings. Um, you can read through um, wait and see where he borrowed it exactly from the Taya. The, mm-hmm. the Golden Dawn opening of the key, you know, that very first phase that uses the whole 78 card deck and it's, you know, read in the span and you count the cards and go through it. Um, that's in the Taya spread. It, it's altered, but it's in the Taya spread. Um, so it was just me kind of peeling back the layers and finding reaching him where it, it didn't really seem to go much further beforehand. I mean, it did, but as far as written, 
that's that's pretty much where the box stops. Um, so thankfully, um, Kathleen Matthews has translated his uh, very verbose, you know, antiquated French text <laughs> into something um, modern in English for people like me that don't speak French, <laughs> and um, was able Long to do day. much more with it. Um, I the his deck I. I can make sense of the words and the general sense, but um, having her um, online courses well worth the money just for the translation alone. Um, but she's put it in good context as well. Excellent. Okay, so that's like that. That's that's an online course. I was wondering, is she coming out with a book for that, or that's? Cause I really enjoy her little mini book, but I, I don't believe she has a book for coming out. Um, but I would definitely be in favor of that. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So I, 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 I think that the older systems have quite, I, I was really interested when you said that the, uh, Jack of Spades, like Prince of Swords or Page of Swords, like spy, like, you know, like one of the meanings that is just held on for dear life, like over a couple hundred years, like yeah. there you are, that there's the source. <laughs> yeah. And at least as far back. As yeah. Absolutely. Go. Excellent. What 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 deck or decks would you say are shining examples of being new and modern, but still really honoring kind of some of that traditional aspect? Mm. Um, ones that go that honor before the Rider Waite that are new. Well, or after I, either way, I would say no, no disrespect. I can't, I can't think of too many. Um, mm-hmm. but ones that really respect the writer way in their own modern new way. Um, first and foremost, I would think is the Fountain Pharaoh. Um, that I know many people love. It's definitely fashioned after the writer way, but is modern and fresh and crisp in its own regard. Um, and then it itself is also kind of minimal in, in its own way. Um, it's, kind of stripped of some symbolism and whatnot. Um, that's the favorite I've been going towards. Um, if, I, if I'm if i telling all myself here a little bit, most of my decks are not of the century that I keep on my table. So, um, yeah, I think um, Carrie Paris definitely always brings a lot to the table with those things. Um, I think the relative arrows is fabulous example of that. Um, Herzlo Normans are as well. Um, I think she was the first one to do a modern Lenormand but still keep it really traditional with the Lenormand Revolution, um, which was coincidentally my first Lenormand deck um, I got. So I think she always brings that classic sense of honor and tradition and nostalgia to it. Um, But yeah. All right. So your your the future of your deck in particular, you have a Kickstarter on the horizon for people who are interested in that. And what uh, what are the details? What are the specifics? What do you need people to do? What's the ask? Oh, okay. Um, well, I am shooting for a Kickstarter at the beginning of October, October one, if all things go um, very well. And I will, um, U.S. Games, even though they are publishing the, the mass edition of the Maybe Little Man, they have been gracious enough to allow me to have a limited edition. So um, some people have wanted 
little handmade versions of the prototypes I've made. Um, so I'm working on that. It'll be printed on 19th century letterpress, hand printed, um, hand, wa- hand watercolored by myself um, in a little wooden box, hopefully. There will also be the maybe Lenormand, which is uh, Marseille also. Um, it won't be hand colored or hand watercolored, but it'll be hand printed with about five different letterpress plates, um, also an old letterpress. And um, that will be, again, on its own little twist. It'll be a Marseille, but I'm actually using French playing cards for the, the minor arcana, the pips. So those that maybe like their Marseille, maybe like to get into a little playing card for Tomancy can um, maybe find a home there. The eight of cups bothers them for some reason, but they feel really comfortable with the eight of hearts. Then there you go. Um, and there's some twists to that as well that uh, will be revealed. Um, as well as the third little special deck that um, doesn't really far follow a, a traditional system, if you will, but hopefully it's a deck that, if I'm not being too cryptic here, um, that everybody would be able to read without an instruction manual. Um, without mm. being taught. And um, hopefully it's one that people that aren't even interested in Tarot or Lenormand will gravitate towards and be something to entice those that maybe just stumble upon the Kickstarter online and like, oh, it's October. Cards will be fun. I'll try this. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, essentially the Kickstarter is to help launch um, those few decks, um, my my first line, if you will, um, my studio, my card studio, if you will, um, to put it in a very wow. It sounds really it sounds big when I say it like that. Own it, um, go with it, be it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, claim the yeah. I'll have those um, hopefully a few surprises and something to look forward to in October. Um, maybe you guys can put out the word then. But um, it'll go for a month. It'll be 30 days and hopefully end on October 31st, Halloween. Woo-hoo. So uh, a good day for harvesting, hopefully. An end and a beginning. So, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Excellent. So before we allow you to go, Hi-C mm-hmm. has a uh, come up with a, a sort of a lightning round of questions for you. Do we, uh, that, oh, no. Since we've, got, we've been going into great detail, which is lovely to go, yeah. but he's come up with a the lightning round and I see, could you explain yes, your thought of course, process? Of course. Uh, so since you won't be staying around to join us to do readings a little later, I of course still wanted to give people a little sense of your reading style. So here's what's okay. going to happen. Charlie okay. and, and, he, and this is based a little bit off of the, the game he was mentioning from bats. So you don't take time to think it through and come up with this grand interpretation. Charlie's going to throw out two different things, this or this. I'm going to pull a card and tell you what it is. And then based on that card, you're immediately going to say which of those two things that card represents as as the better of the two, let us say. Um, okay. so On the surface, you, you have, it seems like it should be about an education, but it's entirely for our own amusement. So it is, of course. Uh, and do do you prefer Tarot or Lenormand for this? Let's do Lenormand. All right, Len- Ron. It. All right. Are you ready? Uh, I see. I I am ready. Are you ready, Ryan? 
Sure. All right. <laughs> Here we go. And Madonna or Gaga? Amy Winehouse. The fish. The fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh. The fish. The was, fish is your uh, prompt. <laughs> the fish is my prompt. That would have to be Gaga. All right. All right. And, and I'm going to tell you this. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, I'm, gonna, I'm using the Burning Serpent uh, from Rachel Pollock. So okay. there there may be a couple of cards that are not necessarily traditional because there are a couple of additional cards. And if I use the name that's on the card, if it's not traditional, just let me know if you're confused. We'll just, yes. So Star Wars or Star Trek? The Clouds. Ooh, Star Wars, the Force. Ah, Star oh, there Force. you go. Divine or RuPaul? <laughs> the Mice. Oh, divine. Right on. <laughs> She's no longer here. Oh. Dog or cat? Now, here it's called the girl and boy. I don't know. Is it called the children child. or something? The child. The child. The child. Yeah. Ooh. Tricky. I would say the dog. Dog. Yeah, right. That innocence, right? Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> Nick Jonas or Justin Bieber? <laughs> the dog. Oh, the dog was the card? Oh, okay. Jonas. Jonas, there we go. Dark hair. <laughs> because of the card, was that the card or a personal preference? You know, what? Um, we never questioned the oracle. Dark hair and shaggy. That's right. <laughs> See, clearly, it's traditional. That's that's. I tell would have said the same thing. Uh, print books or e-books? The moon. Oh, e-book. Oh, damn it. Right. <laughs> uh, download or streaming? The man. <laughs> Oh, streaming. Oh, uh, up early or night owl? The mountain. Oh, morning doesn't like the morning though. There we go. <laughs> Tarot or Lenormand? The clover. Oh, Lenormand, short, quick, and brief. To the point. <laughs> Which brings us to <laughs> um, uh, romance or one night stand. In the card. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. The book. <laughs> oh, uh, one night stand. Don't kiss, don't tell. And I also keep my <laughs> books on my nightstand. There you go. <laughs> yeah, um, Taylor Swift. Oh, I see. Taylor Swift or Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> the key. Oh, um, Taylor Swift. Based on the whole Apple getting them to do what she wanted, James. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right on. All right, then. All right, iPhone or Android? The Messenger. Oh, iPhone. Okay, right on. Length or girth? <laughs> the stars. Oh, the stars, length, distance. There we just There you see. Yeah, tradition. Okay, uh, Charlie or high C? This is very important. That's right. The gold ring. Oh, high C sounds more golden to me. He's blonde. That makes sense to me. <laughs> there you go. Just uh, very loyal and committed. Uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for being very patient with that process of uh, oh, of course. That was the fun. lightning round. Every '70s game show had to have the lightning round, you know, and uh, or any anyone with worth its salt. So uh, this is our, our homage. <laughs> no, it's it was actually really funny because. 
I had my maybe in front of me, and one of the extra cards is the lightning card, and that was sitting oh. on top. And it means a surprise. So <laughs> these things uh, do work. They work. <laughs> There's some truth in it. We haven't wasted our lives. So uh, thank you, thank you so much for joining us, Ryan. And uh, one more time, where can people go to discover more about your upcoming decks? Uh, for right now, I would say the best thing is just find me on Facebook. As personal as that sounds. Um, Facebook.com. You know, wait. Line I'm going to move right in on you. Let's yeah, see. yeah. I'm not afraid to like that. There we um, go. <laughs> I do have a, a website. It's being under development, but it'll launch with the Kickstarter. So come October, I'll have something to point you towards. But for do, right now, do you want to? Do you want to go ahead and give the URL, and people can just keep checking to see when it's up? Um, that is actually still being debated at this point. So I'm a very indecisive person. (laughs) All right, excellent. Well, I I warn you, Mercury Retrograde starts September 17th. So, you know, make some decisions before then. And don't launch a website during. (laughs) Very good point. Thank you. Very good point. (laughs) (laughs) I'll work on that. Thank you so much for being on (laughs) and talking. The the deck is lovely. And... uh, I, I am very excited to get to work with it and um, to explore some of the vintage uh, divination systems with it. And on your Facebook page, will people have more opportunity to see more videos of you painting and stuff like the one that you posted recently? Oh, um, most likely, yeah. I have um, Lenormand is more or less off my plate. Um, but yeah, there will be a lot more to see me work on and doodle. So, so yeah, they can actually follow. see the yeah see the creation process as it's happening. The birth. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so maybe Lenormand started with a sketch in my notebook and posted it on Facebook and just kind of went from there. So you never know what will what will be up. Yeah. And just to remind people, that's Facebook.com/slash Ryan of Cups. Great. So thank you very much. And uh, no, thank you guys. Since, since there are those people who will sometimes be, you know, haters, let us say, I've decided to lead out with a song that just puts those people in their place. So enjoy this little musical break, and Charlie and I will be right back.
clothes and dicks. But if you're close enough to hear me, then get off my pics on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Cause you're gonna be bitter when you see that I'm a winner and I'm shining like you glitter. Yeah, sorry, can't hear you Hashtag winning, can't see you in my rear view I'm lighting up tonight Yeah, I'm a fire bomb Call me Zuckerberg I'm a call you You're listening to the M of Historical Divination with a Queer Twist With hosts High C and Charlie Harrington On Firefly Willows L-I-V-E Find out more at Facebook.com Slash The Amethyst Oracle Enjoy the show Historical with Charlie and High C. And I will just remind you that if you would like to get a reading during the show in the next segment, you can either Skype in from the show page or you can call 646 716 5510 in order to get into the queue for that. Uh, we have reached the point in our show where we do our regular Living the Queer Life segment. This is where Charlie and I both pull from our oracle of choice for the evening to see how anyone listening, and it doesn't matter whenever you decide that you are listening to this, be it live or later, you're hearing it at the right time, of what you can do in the coming month in order to be your queerest self, meaning being your full, unique, individual self and not trying to conform or acquiesce to what anyone or anything else says that you are supposed to be. So, having said that, Charlie, tell us, what is your oracle of choice this well, evening? Well, I thought, in keeping with the theme, I would read Le Monde. Um So I, I pulled... So you can't really you can't pull one Lenormand card. You have to pull them in combinations. So I pulled three. And... Um, what I got was house coffin. Sorry, house anchor coffin. Uh, and so, and they're not meant to be read in in, combina- in two card combinations. So you read house anchor and then anchor coffin. So um, uh, house anchor would be something like uh, the the security of the home, and because. The, uh, the house represents where you live. It's it's often very literal the, of your house, where you where you're at, where, you, where you, the space that you're in, and uh, when it's paired with. And I did a quick look at learnlenormand.com because they have listings of uh, the pairings. To because I'm not a Lenormand expert yet, uh, but house uh, anchor can sometimes be, also anchor is something that's stable and established. So it's uh, so that's where that home security, security of the home. And then uh, 
So Anchor, Coffin. So Coffin is not a good card, and um, and in Lenormand, there's not like a a white light version of some of like the negative cards where oh, but they really represent this transformation. Uh, so this is saying that 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 uh, so that would be. Um, let me just let me just quote the combination specifically from Learn 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 Lenormand, which is. Uh, uh, ooh, wait a minute. Anchor coffin, uh, creating instability. Um, so uh, this is sort of a get out of the house card, <laughs> or sort of combination. So because uh, Lidermann reading should be quick. So um, too much uh, being being indoors, being cooped up, is um, going to lead uh, to uh, weakening. Uh, sickness and instability. So if I wanted to kind of up-level that a little bit and make it a little more cosmic, um, I would say that, which is not something you always want to do with Lenormand, but I'm going to do it, uh, being too safe and secure um, and within a box is uh, leads to uh, sickness and a, a lack of happiness. And that's not me trying to, like, give our normal <laughs> sort of monthly, like, be-yourself interpretation uh to the cards that really is how i would read that that combination that like too much stability too much inside um literally in your home but are also just keeping yourself in in a very standardized stable idea of yourself will make you sick uh physically and uh spiritually sick and weakened all right. Dire. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's dire. I think it's just you know useful advice to consider because people can become a bit of a homebody with autumn coming. You know, summer they were out and about, and now they want to start to nest a little bit. Um, but I, but I I think it may also be something that needed to come up in relation to the card that came up for me, Ooh. because the card that I ended up pulling was the hermit. <laughs> Jesus, look at that. You know, sometimes I doubt. <laughs> and other times yeah. I don't. This is a doubt time. So, the, you know, I think that this combination with the hermit and the cards that you pulled are saying there is a time and a place for alone time. There is a time and a place to withdraw into our safe space, into our cave, into our refuge. But we don't want to get lost there. We want to use that time for recuperating, for gaining wisdom without the outside um, interference and noise that we need from time to time. You know, I think that this may be a reminder of we need our alone time, but in combination with your cards, it says, but let us not get so isolated by having our alone time that we start to become disconnected from people and the world around us in the coming months. So we want to actively make sure we maintain connection and interaction with people and with things around us, the world around us. Um, so, you know, get out from in front of the computer screen or the phone screen and actually engage with people. Go for a walk and leave the phone at home. Uh, you know, I, I think there is that sense of the, the hermit to me would be about go out perhaps on a hike on your own, but do that in a way that isn't 
where where you you have the chance to fully experience it. Mm. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I like I like that that combination because I'd say like in the Lenormand reading, the sort of the central card, like the, the center of a Lenormand um, line of cards, tends to be like the focus, and here the focus is that anchor. So yeah, it is the, the issue isn't being at home. It's not you know home coffin. It's the prolonged experience is is the the issue there. So yeah, it's it, like anchor, you, you know. well, if the anchor is that central theme or that central thing for the Norman reading, mm-hmm. and then the hermit comes along, it says, we do need some downtime, we do need our alone time in order mm-hmm. to ground ourselves, in order to anchor ourselves back to feeling like we're on solid ground. Because the hermit says, we need to be looking at what is our next step over the next month. Not 10 steps ahead, but just what is my next step? And we can get all caught up in the flurry of where we're going and what all the steps are going to be and what it's going to take and everything else. But that anchor and this hermit card comes in and says, but let's pull it back and let's anchor it into the next tangible, real step that we can take. If we can just do that in the next month, that one step, that will move us one step closer to the goal rather than causing us to feel flustered or overwhelmed because we're so worried about figuring out all of the steps and how far we haven't gotten versus being able to see at least we've made progress and gotten this far. So that's take it to the street. (laughs) That's right. Shout it from the rooftop. Anything else you'd like to add for that, Charlie? No, I think uh, get out there, people. Go meet. You might meet somebody. <laughs> so that's right. Anyway, come out of the cave. Come out. Come out of the cave. Or just come out. Perhaps that's what you need to do this month. Come out. So that means that we are going to be coming up next to our segment where you have a chance to get a reading, and we do have. Uh, caller in the queue at the moment. So if you would like to get into the queue in order to get your reading before the show finishes, then you can Skype in from the show page or call 646-716-5510 in order to make sure that you have your chance at a reading. So we will be back after a quick break. And the first caller we will go to is calling from area code 530. So if you are calling from that area code, I would just encourage you to be ready with your question because we will be coming to you next. Get on my elevator, baby, we're going up. Give me that now and later. I can't get enough. So much to discover. Please don't stop me now. Oh, I know we can get higher. There's 
You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. Keep on climbing And welcome back. I am High C, and I am joined by Charlie, and this is the Amethyst Oracle, and we have reached that point where you have a chance to receive a reading live on the air during the show with Charlie and I. I know. Please calm yourselves. Calm yourselves. Take a breath. So, Charlie, are you ready? As I might ever be. Excellent. So we're going to go to our first caller, and this is someone calling from area code 530. Are you there, caller, in area code 530? Yes, I am. How are you, Heisey? I am good. Thank you. Uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Donna. I live in Westwood, California. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for you. calling in. What is it that you would like for us to look at for you today? Um, I, it's hard for me to ever pick a certain subject for myself, I guess, but as a, and real recently, uh, one of my sons broke up with his, uh, well, pretty long-term girlfriend. And I'd like to know where, what's next for him or where is he going or what's he need to do, kind of. Sure. I mean, he's actually taking care of stuff pretty quickly, but he's confused. Sure. Absolutely. Let's take a look at that. What? So we'll take a look, or we'll do a four cards, which is going to give me, like, the past, present, future, and then, like, an action item, which is, like, the suggested thing for him to do at this time for his greatest and highest good. All right, and I just need to get one more card, and then I will... Oop. I hate it when I do that. I'm going to shuffle a little bit more. I know this is very exciting for radio. All right, but I want to give a precise shuffle. All right, and then one last card. Okay, what to do in this situation? All right, so okay, um, okay, so in the past for him we get the five of wands, and the fives are kind of all very challenging and uh, the five of wands is uh the argument card it represents in the past with this relationship it um okay so in your since you are the expert on uh on the relationship and what might have occurred was uh conflicts of interest or conflicts of of ways of dealing with things and personalities a big problem for them yeah, all of that yes okay I mean, cool compatible in some ways probably more conflict and uh, bickering stuff than any. Yeah, so like the five of wands is often like it's it's arguing for the sake of arguing. It's sometimes it's game playing with people with each other with personalities. So yeah, okay. So that was so if in the reading that's sort of like the 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 influence on what passed, like sort of how that happened. Now the the big change yeah. is in the present. There's the six of cups, and the six of cups is kind of a card of like wistful looking back on the past. On we. Um, 
uh, nostalgia. So sometimes, okay, a couple things. In a relationship spread, um, this is when we start thinking about past relationships in a, in a, in a very positive way or in a uh, rose-colored glasses a little bit. So it looks like he might, okay, so from this, one of two things. Either he might be romanticizing the past relationship now that it's over or thinking about a simpler time long, long ago. Often um, uh, the card the card always shows little children and it's sort of like looking back on the past when things seemed lighter. So, so okay, his focus right now where he's at um, is on the past and not really moving forward is from that, from that one. Um, however, in his immediate future... There is a lady. There's so there's something pretty cool happens here. So in his immediate future, is the Queen of Wands, which is an intense woman. It's a uh, bold, uh, striking, uh, really good at social media, um, uh, fiery, sexy lady. Uh, the Queen of Wands is they're they're very they're like the life of the party. They have right. a delight personality. So. There's still that fiery element. It looks like the people he's attracted to probably contain that, you know, that kind type of <laughs> of, of yeah. intensity. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so we saw in the past that was a challenge, but you know, sometimes we we have our patterns. And so, what's interesting to me is that the card, the last card, is like, what does he need to do right now? So he has this woman in his future, this Queen of Wands. So what does he need to do? And the funny thing is, the card that came up for his future, for what he should do right now, is the King of Wands. Um, oh. Which they're a couple. They're like you know in the tarot. There's the king and queen for of each suit. And yeah. so, what she is going to be attracted to is the king of wands is like her. He's bold. He's decisive. He's um, confident. So right now we have that that six of cups and it's kind of watery and kind of wishy washy and a little bit like emotional. And what she's looking for is the sexy intense guy uh, and who is confidence is going to be a good thing. So if his confidence has been shaken at all because of this breakup, yeah. then I think that um, that is the main, that, that is the key to making it work with this. So this, there's this new lady breathing into his life. And um, what else can I say? She might even, the queen of wands wouldn't be afraid of making the first move, but I think she'd appreciate him making a move. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and the, the, the king of, so for him, King wants again, uh, bold, decisive, um, knows what he wants, or at least seems like he knows what he wants. And so um, the, the the King of Wands has sometimes been called like a politician card. And the thing with that is um, he, the King of Wands, knows how to fake it till you make it. So yeah, even if you're sad, even if you're upset, even if you're a bit broken up or you're not sure, just act like you're, this is a weird kind of piece of advice to give people, but like act like it's just fine. Like Sounds look, good. seem yeah. like you have your house in order and don't bring up the past and just be, seem bold, okay. you'll feel bold, you'll be bold. And I want to get it, and like that's not that sort of, sometimes people can get into like a a, a, a trap with like, when people talk about the secret of like just, it's not pretending or just pretending that your life is fine is good, but it's just sort of acting as if you feel confident, even if you're a little shaky. Does that make sense? Right. Does that? Did I hit on anything that sounds like it resonates with with with, with yeah, what's going yeah. on with him? Every word so far. Woo! Okay, so that's my. The, 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 if you wanted to impart anything to him, it's like 
you know, chest out, <laughs> shoulders back, and just decisive. There we go. But that's enough about me. I see what cards came up for you. Well, I think uh, a lot of what came up for me is going to echo much of what came up in yours as well. Uh, the card that came up to represent your son is the Two of Swords reversed. Reverse simply meaning it was upside down when it came out of the deck. And that says that one, you know, when I first saw that, I said, oh, this this is someone who has made their decision, made their choice, and they have acted on it, and they're living with it. They aren't torn about the decision. They aren't wavering about the decision or the choice that they've made. They're going to stick to their guns. And this would encourage also following through on a decision or choice rather than driving ourselves crazy thinking maybe we need to do something else, maybe we need to make a different decision. So it's it's kind of a validation of him having done that, as well as an indication that I think he's pretty set, pretty clear in what decision, what choice he wanted or needed to make, and has just followed through on that, and that is that. Um, the, uh, you know, and, and next to that is the Two of Wands, so here we are again in the suit of wands that we had with the queen and the king. And two of wands is actually nice because it shows us that it's time for him to look forward and that there are going to be other possibilities and opportunities for romance, for relationship um, on the horizon and in the future. So there is not a need to second guess the decision or choice he has made. And there are going to be some other opportunities and um uh, relationship potentials uh, that will be appearing if he keeps his sights set forward and also if he's willing to go where he wants. This is that king of wands coming in. It's that sense of being the creator of your own destiny. So if he decides to start forging his own path and creating the future that he wants, two of wands is very positive in saying there are going to be other people, other possibilities for relationship as a result of him doing that. Um, the card that came up for you, because I always look at questions about somebody else in relationship to the person asking and what they need to know or what they can or need to be doing, if anything, in the situation. And the card that came up for you is the Six of Swords. So that tells me that your role is about being supportive when asked for, but not necessarily forcing or even offering an opinion about the situation if there hasn't been uh, a question or an opening presented for doing so. Uh, but it is. But Six of Swords is. It's a nice supportive presence, but it is about moving forward. So we want to support him in the choice and decision he has made. Allow him to be the adult that says he makes his own decisions, he has to create and live his own life. And we are there to support him, but also to help him now continue moving forward rather than looking backward or second-guessing where he has come from. Um, this is where the Two of Wands would come in of saying there will be other possibilities out there, you know, and, and giving a little bit of a pep talk or that encouragement when there might be a down moment on his side. But overall, it's actually kind of a very positive or or encouraging set of cards to have come up because it it validates and supports the decision and choice that he has made 
And it also says that there will be other opportunities for relationship moving forward. So there's no reason to give into that fear of maybe there'll never be anybody else. So maybe I should go back to what I already had or something like that. Right. So any questions about that? So many fire cards, man. Yeah. (laughs) So many wands. Well, but I I feel like because of that, this is probably just what he needed to do. And this is going to kind of be something that rekindles a sense of motivation, ambition, enthusiasm for getting on with life and pursuing other things rather than putting things off or, or missing out on things because of a relationship situation. Well, I think everything you guys have said is uh, pretty much word for word, very accurate. Well, I mean, even sometimes that they've been set up, that's what he's focusing on is what's next, and and about him figuring out that he still has to be a priority, you know, and that's it. that's okay. And no, you don't have to go back, gain what you gained, and let it go, you know. He isn't happy about right. it sometimes, but right. And he knew it had but, to be. Yeah. But but I think the most encouraging or supportive thing you can do is to say, as long as you know your own mind and you made the decision that's best uh, for you, then I support you in that, and there's no reason for you to second-guess that in yourself. And just as you said, he seems to be doing, let's just keep looking and moving forward at this point rather than rehashing or worrying or second-guessing the past. Right. So, Thank you, guys. That was very good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for calling in. All right. You guys have a good night. You too. And, Charlie, that's going to bring us to the end of another Amethyst Oracle episode. Can you imagine? I I can. All right, then. Well, there we good. go. <laughs> I mean, it's here. It's staring me right I, in the face. I'm, I'm glad that you are anchored in, oh, yes, absolutely. in, in your base. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to stay in side. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to... You accept the coffin of the ending of this show, oh, this episode. Really? <laughs> it's been real fabulous. It was really great to hear from Ryan and about yeah. his deck and what he's doing and talk about all things sort of vintage. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Yep. And I will remind people you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. We welcome you there with open arms. And we are... Uh, on the second Tuesday of each month. So our next show that we would invite you to join us for is going to air on Tuesday, October 13th. And if you would like to listen to this show or any previous show of the Amethyst Oracle or any of the other shows here on our Firefly Willows LIVE channel, then you can do so. All of the shows are available in the archives here on Blog Talk Radio, and you can also find them all on iTunes. Just do a quick search for Firefly Willows, and it'll come right up, and you can listen, download, or subscribe at your leisure and pleasure. Mm -hmm. So Charlie and I will look forward to joining you again next month on October 13th for, yet again, a scintillating experience Exciting, exhilarating, even sexy episode of the Amethyst Oracle. The Amethyst.
Divination with a Queer Twist. Divination with a Queer Twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Revolution with High Street Lucknow. Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Let's go. Let's go.